is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. They were teasing this movie in a way that made it seem like a heist. Providing insight. His dance is just excellent. So graceful. Commentary. He shot it all on a green screen. You can't do a pickup. And conjecture. He has found himself in a world turned upside down. Gutterball. A Saturday, people. I know, Saturday. We're all, but you know. It's kind of got me juiced up a little bit. You know, holidays, it makes us have to rearrange our schedule a little bit. Anything for the craft. schedule. That's right. Hopefully not our uh, release schedule. We're going to do better. Schedule in quotes, because we really don't have any. If anybody has any ideas on preferred days for this thing to come out. Yeah, we've been toying with the idea of being consistent going forward, which I kind of like. Just knocking it around, you know, kicking the yeah. tires. At least commit to it, right? We'll commit to it for like 12 months and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, six months. Let's try six months. Consistency is key. So I have some coffee. I'm actually drinking coffee. It's a very... not drink, Drinking coffee isn't weird. I drink tons of coffee, but never while we record. But I'm doing it today. Hmm. What's the occasion? Just because it's, it's, it's the fact that it's like 12.44 p.m. It's unusual. And I only actually got out of bed around 10.50. So to me, this is still kind of morning. Right, right. No, I got you. I had to get up at 7.30. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised I slept in. I didn't think it would be any trouble doing a recording. But like, I, because uh, normally on a Saturday, you know, I'm just so used to getting up. At the crack Whenever, of 10. <laughs> yeah, the crack of 10. I usually don't sleep past that, but today I slept, you know, a little past there all the way to like 1040, somewhere in there. So this middle school business is for the birds, Brad. I don't know oh. if I talked about this, but geez, I mean, got to get up like 645. Yeah. On a Saturday? Well, no, I, you know, during the week, but then right. that's like, you know, cause I was used to. You know, my daughter didn't have to be at school till like nine. Mm-hmm. So you could kind of roll out of bed at 840 or whatever. Or not, you know, but I didn't yeah. feel too bad if I wasn't up. It's nine o'clock, whatever. Get yourself to school. <laughs> yeah. But when it's pitch black outside and it's 645, I feel compelled to be awake and not like have her wandering around through a dark house by herself and like out the door and up half a block to the bus by herself. Right. No, I understand. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. That getting up when it's still dark thing. Like, I mean, we have the same issue here. Like what's just, what, what is that? Like the well, elementary school kids, like make them get up at the ass crack of dawn. I know they're you probably know? up already. Right. It's when you start getting to middle school and high school when it's like, now let's start preparing you for how it is when you're actually a, a functional human being in the world. Yeah. You don't get up at six 45 unless you're some kind of freak. You get up with the normal people at like eight, but no, no, they got it backwards. There's a lot of, I mean, it seems like there's been as long as I can remember always all these studies, right. And scientific evidence that getting up that early for a, for a teenager is just bad, bad. They're all sleep deprived. That's during that time of your life. There's something going on that's different that makes you need to sleep in more. And that's the time when we're making them get up. It's so like, backwards. But, like, nothing's going to ever change around. It's this Puritan ethic. And there's also the issue of, I mean, 
we talk about getting up at eight, but you know, that's because we have this uh, cushy luxury <laughs> life, but you know, there are a lot of adults that have to be out there early. So they need their kids out there too. It's part of it. I think is just this like work. I don't know what it is. Just this like, you know, work school alignment thing that happens. Well, that's totally at the work school alignment. But again, like, okay. The whole thing is nine to five, right? Or eight to six or eight to five or whatever. Like a majority of people, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, but there's a reason that's, that's a thing. Nine to five. A lot of people start work at nine and they get off at right. five. Yeah. Right. So working nine to five, working nine to five. Me. You got it, man. Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, all the greatest hits. And who is that guy? Richard the guy, Simmons. The guy from that movie. Um, he was in a lot of things. He was in Cloak and Dagger. Tom Selleck. Oh, uh, Dagny Taggart. Yeah. That's Dabney it. Coleman. Oh, don't bring up Dagny Taggart. You're going to get me started. Yeah, Dabney <laughs> Coleman. That's it. Yeah, Dabney Coleman. What do you have against Dagny Taggart? Oh, come on. What? Do this again. We already <laughs> did this in another episode. But she's a strong, independent woman, Brad, who's just trying to make a living. But the system and the man keeps breaking her balls. Yeah, true. You can appreciate that much of it, at least. I can, perhaps. So Dabney Coleman in the first movie, which is probably the first movie I would name if you said the words debt. <laughs> Dabney Coleman would be Cloak and Dagger also. I used to love that movie. Oh, yeah. I that was too. the shit. It would be like you'd be wandering around the video store. It's like, what are we going to rent tonight? Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Again. For the no, eighth was- time. It was a great flipping flick at that time. Oh yeah, oh, um, yeah. his hat could deflect the bullets. Mm-hmm. But then well, it he was didn't. really just the little figure, right? It was all good. You know, his imagination though, the kid's imagination made him real, and as soon right. as he stopped believing, yeah, mm, it all went well, to like, shit. He didn't like he went and he like stomped on the figure at the end, like during the whole like Dark Knight of the Soul kind of part of the movie. Oh, did he stomp on it? He was like, I don't know, whatever. But and he stomped on the figure and the he saw the little like green army man like figure kind of all little mushed up a little bit. And then Dabney Coleman, like all the places where he like the like he started like to me in my I could be misinterpreting this shot in my memory, but it was like he started bleeding like it was like all of the like invincibility he had of the bullets and everything else like wore off and all of a sudden like there were like bullet holes all over him and he started like he like yeah started dying he he was like holding his hat out because he would take his hat off and catch all the bullets in it but it's like then the hat had like bullet holes and it's like what happened i used to be invincible i could just like deflect all the bullets but then yeah i guess so maybe it was the stomping and the the lack of yeah. of faith and yeah, he was dur- all <laughs> during that period of life like so we had HBO in my house. Whoa. Like we had HBO from maybe like second grade to like fourth grade or fifth grade, I think. Jeremiah Johnson. And again, yeah, we talked about this. So these mm-hmm. movies, because HBO would just show the same movies again and again, especially over the summer when I'm home all day and it's just like, what's on HBO? It'll be these same movies. They're just so burned. Even though some of them now are just so forgotten mm-hmm. by time, they're burned into my mind because I watched them literally like 60 times. And, uh, 
One of those movies is Kidco. Kidco? Kidco. I just I don't looked know it that. up. It exists. It's from 1984. Kids who live on a horse ranch decide to sell the excess manure as fertilizer, but their new company soon comes under fire from the state tax board. See, the man, Brad, is holding them back. Always, always. It comes back to that. But, uh... <laughs> Kid that, that was the, the movie. This is... And I saw that so many times. I still have little images of it. Just little fleeting shots. Is it black like and white? A second stuck. It's not. I don't know why the cover is in black and white like that on IMDb. Maybe to really, like make the uh, red, white, and blue with the stars and stripes of Kidco inside yeah. the letters to really make that pop. This is an American tale. Yeah. It's an American movie. You know, and maybe it is all full of crazy uh, it's got political ideology that it, I did not even like realize at the time. I was being programmed yes, to you, be some sort of uh, capitalist, even though I don't think it really worked because yeah. I, I kind of have that, you know, I was just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it was some sort of like, uh, well, maybe they overdid it type tale, but maybe they overdid it with all of that, you know, embedded politicking in mm -hmm. in movies that they could have overdid it. Yeah, you know what show has lots of embedded politics? The West Wing. Well, well <laughs> true, true enough. House of Cards. House of Cards. <laughs> yep. Um, and then in terms of movies, you had like, the American uh, President. The American president. Wag was, the dog. Um, Bullworth. I don't think I ever saw Bullworth. There was... Um, Red Dawn. I'm really having a hard time now. I'm trying to drop... What's the name with uh, Woodward and Bernstein? Deep Throat. Yeah, Deep Throat. But what's the name of that movie? Isn't it called the Deep Throat? No. <laughs> well it's deep throat 1972 wait that was before that happened <laughs> oh that's a different one <laughs> a different one <laughs> today class we're gonna watch a historical <laughs> film about the watergate scandal it's called deep throat, deep throat. here we go here it goes do you come what here? What was the name of that movie? Wet Hot I'm American such a Summer. Brain fart. All the President's Men. That's it. There you go. Who's it? Dustin Hoffman, right? Yeah, Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford. Robert Redford. Yeah. I don't think what? I saw that one either. But speaking of West Wing, wait, why did you bring up All the President's Men? Because we're just trying to name <laughs> movies that are political, have political stuff in them. Okay. We got on a tangent. Well, what I was going to say. The Manchurian was, Candidate. So now we're off on all sorts of forks. I was going to say. That, it's so, forks all the way down, Brad. Forks all the way down. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> take a breather. The, um, take a breath. <laughs> you want to sing a song? Maybe. Daisy. <laughs> Daisy. <laughs> <sighs> what were you gonna say it started with all the president's men you were like veering off somewhere yeah i forgot where i was gonna oh west wing you mentioned west wing yeah i'm, I'm backtracking right? uh sorkin so you mentioned west wing well you know who had a small part in an episode of west wing yes i mean we, lots of people lavar burton right probably, uh i don't really know i'm just guessing he's in a lot of stuff an ed tech but, cutting edge man nick offerman no way yeah 
Who did he I've play? Been, I've been I have been studying that man lately, the last week. Well, looking up all his little bit parts on YouTube. He was in Sin City. What? As some kind of punk guy. He had like a like white bleached hair and like leather jacket with like piercings on his face. Doesn't he have oh, yeah, a thing on, on Netflix now? Like his own special or something? Yeah, there is a special um, on Netflix called Nick Offerman, American Ham. That's what got me on this this trajectory. Right, right. I watched that. It was just one of these random things. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm laying on the bed. And it's like, I could go up to bed. I'm half asleep. But it comes up like, because whatever I was watching before was done. But it comes up with like, oh, you might like this. Right. I was like, well, let me just see what that is. What could that even be like? And you then liked I just it. ended up watching the whole thing. I love that man. Yeah, he's pretty great. Bring me all of the bacon and eggs that you have. Yes. Well, the thing that's strange is he, that character that he's developed, he's kind of that character. It seems life. like it, doesn't like, it? It seems like one. You get these actors that are so good that you can't imagine that they're not just, that's just not who they really are. And then when you actually see them and they have a British accent and are completely different, it's kind of blows your mind. Billy like, Bob That would Thornton. be awesome if we actually, you know, you saw him behind the scenes and he actually had like a British accent. He's just like, yeah, I've been studying like American conservatism for five years to prepare for this role or whatever. Yeah. Well, let's call it libertarianism. Libertarianism. Yeah, true. He, um, well, well, his, all his woodworking stuff, that was Nick Offerman. Like he brought that in because he's a woodworker and he actually builds canoes. Like he custom makes canoes. That's like a side business he he has with his hands and like sells them for massive quantities of money. That might be a little more legitimate than David Reese's side business of sharpening pencils, artisanally sharpened pencils. Who's who's that? David Reese. Yeah. He sharpens pencils for you. He also had the special recently on might've been Nat Geo going deep with David Reese Okay. He's a, had a cartoonist. He was a cartoonist. He did the, um, the hell was it called? Uh, I gotta look it up. So, you know, satire of some sort. It was, uh, shit. Blah, 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 blah. No, no, not that. Get your war on. Oh, get your war on. Yes, yes. That guy, yeah. Okay, so he does an artisanal pencil. That's pretty good. Yeah, so you can... Now that I know it's him, that's good. That makes a oh, lot it's, of sense it's now. awesome. It makes a lot of sense. So you can send your own pencil in, or he'll, you know, use one of his own, but he, you know, sharpens it by hand. And, like, that's kind of, with the Nick Offerman thing, he's kind of like that. He actually does really enjoy a nicely, like, perfectly sharpened pencil. So, and then, you know, he collects the shavings, he'll bag them up, and send you back your pencil perfectly and he'll grade it too like on a scale of one to ten for sharpness nice well so, you can request how sharp you want it or he does it and then he kind of like grades his like he, he's kinda he like grades his own work yeah yeah sorry i was only able to do this to a number seven right seven point two quite on my game mm-hmm, exactly you should watch that show though going deep pretty going funny deep. So wait, so the guy that does Get Your War On has a show on National Geographic? I don't know if it's Nat Geo, but But it's yeah. on something. Yeah, it's on one of those. That's interesting. I never imagined that guy would be the kind of guy that would have a show. Granted, I don't know a whole lot about him. I, had I, a, I know Get Your War On very well. I'm a huge fan of that. I just never imagined the guy making that having... Oh, it's great. It's great. Anything it's, else in the media. Yeah, so it's or like... Or any kind of mainstream slightly mainstream media attention or anything 
He'll, well, it's, I'm surprised that they did it. it. He'll focus on the most mundane of tasks, like how to swat a fly, how to shake hands, you know, how to make an ice cube, just the most mundane stuff. But he'll like hyper focus on all it, of the minutia. It helps you really just appreciate your life more, I think. When you, oh, it when does. You do those things. Absolutely, it does. We'll put a link to that. It's it's worth a it's worth a watch. I was really into it there for a while. I watched them all twice probably. Nice. Couldn't yeah. get enough. I'll try that out. I'm always looking for new things. I think you'll get a kick out, out of it. I think you'll get a kick out of it. How do we get started on that? I don't know. We went around the 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 right around around a couple things. Right. I don't remember what Nick Offerman. Yeah, politics, libertarianism, nineteen eighties together. Kid Co. And the man keeping you down, Dabney mm-hmm. Coleman. Yeah, Brenda Song is married to Trace Cyrus. I found that out today. I, didn't I don't know, that. know who either of those people are, though. <laughs> Brenda Song is one of the stars of The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, as well as the follow-up show, The Sweet Life on, on deck. deck. Yes, it's been yes. a while since I've tuned into those. Yeah, a couple been, years um, now. For whatever reason, I've been tuning into those pretty heavily over the last month. Huh. They're they, tuned in pretty heavily. For are they making reason. a comeback or is this the first go around? So. It's, it's not the first go around. It's kind of like a rediscovery hmm. or something. Well, I think what happened was, so my son discovered Zach and Cody on Netflix maybe like a year ago and watched all those, but never made the transition to the sweet life on deck somehow. Oh, you got to go sweet life and on so deck. so now it's like, oh, wait, there's this whole other sweet life on deck. I mean, I, I'm not sure what happened. It's not like he, he didn't know it existed, because I know he, like, he watched some of those episodes, but it was just kind of like it fell off the radar, and now it's back. It's like concentrated sweet life, because it all is confined to this one ship, you yeah. know? You can't escape the madness and mayhem. Yeah. I did notice, so this is the kind of like filmic sleuthing <laughs> that uh, I've got, got become a ton tuned to doing gutter balls looking at Big Lebowski. In the episode that was uh, playing in my house this morning, um, it's the one where they go to London, London, England, not London, the woman who's in the show. <laughs> yes. Um, and there's two simultaneous plots happening. There's like a plot one is uh, Cody goes to the Sherlock Holmes Museum. And of course, there's a crime there and he starts trying to solve it. The this- other one is Zach is playing croquet. This must be Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, not... No, it's a Sweet Life on Deck. Well, how'd they get to London? The cruise the ship... cruise ship went to London. Huh. They had an awesome, this awesome shot of showing oh, the cruise geez. ship at London, oh, where boy. it was just like, you know, imagine just Google image search <laughs> London, come up with the typical, like, kind of gray, like, okay, Thames River, Big Ben, there it is. And then they just kind of, like, superimposed on it the cruise ship that's no. all, like, bright white and blue, just like... <laughs> Like it was such a beautiful shot. Like it was like the establishing shot. Like here they are at London. I, you know, that's the kind of shit I want to make. Yeah. It tells the story. It does. It's all you need. It's all you need. They did. um, So they were at London and the two plots. And I noticed about three quarters of the way through that both things are taking place like at this on the same set, like the outside of the Sherlock Holmes museum was like redressed to be the croquet park. No oh boy. 
because and what first made me realize it is in the one shot i actually saw like the, the little croquet um gate or whatever was like in one of the shots at the sherlock home museum like hey that's weird and i was like oh there's croquet oh did they use the same and then i started paying attention i was like oh they definitely did like the same little fan like it was the same thing i wish you would have captured some screen grabs i can go back and do that. that's all on netflix yeah that'd be great but brenda, i'd like to see this brenda song not to be confused with brenda strong by the way um but brenda song was um yeah she's married to trey cyrus who's miley cyrus's brother so Whoa. it's like, like a little bit of Disney royalty going on there. Whoa, I had no idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's hot stuff. Brenda Song. Wait, am I allowed to say that? I think you are. 1988. Yeah, she's 26. Yes. Yeah, and she's now hot. she's in like actual, she's appeared in some actual stuff here according to Wikipedia, which I didn't realize. Like she had a role in the social network. Huh. She also has had recurring roles in Scandal and New, New Girl. And she starred in the Fox TV series Dad dads her early one was a television show called fudge (laughs) (laughs) i could talk about fudge all day brad but i won't so you just loved it because you were sleuthing out all of their well, like well, workarounds that was again that was a bizarre ultimately i just wanted to point out this disney royal family exists Cause that's happening under our nose and I don't think we realize it. Right. But the real reason this all came up is because sweet life and Zach and Cody has a lot of uh, coded political messages in there. Does it? I mean, if you look at, again, you have London Tipton played by the aforementioned miss song, you know, then you have the working class, uh, Zach and Cody and their family. Then you have Mr. Mosby. Who's kind of like, even though he's very working class, he's kind of, uh, Trying to enforce the rules right. of 1%. There's a lot in there. And like even, you know, there's even a line today that really got me going where she made a reference to, you know, to ugly Americans. Who did? Kind of. London? Brenda Song did. Yeah. London did. Because again, piling on, kind of joining with the, the people from England. And they're like, yeah, but you're American. And she says, not for tax purposes. Not for tax purposes. So it's like, there it is. The smoking gun yeah but who whoever wrote that was like they were throwing a barb yeah they were it's a little subversion right it wasn't like endorsing that it was definitely throwing they, yeah they were being a little oh, yeah, I'm subversive not saying it was endorsing that. okay i'm not okay. saying it's endorsing i'm not saying it's a yeah anything other than just it's it's aware wendy Wu, homecoming warrior she was in that, that too. Popping up, she's the star of that. It keeps popping up on. It was a Disney Channel movie. It keeps popping up like, oh, you should watch this because you watch Zach and Cody. But uh, neither I nor my son have opted to click on that just yet. It's only a matter of time, man. Only a matter of time, though. Yep. It's like only a matter of time before Walter got fed up and had to like lose his cool here in this minute. Which we should play that. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, we'll yeah, let's play up the minute and we'll. Start. I mean, I could talk we'll about move. Sweet Life of Zach and Cody and on deck more. You know, that could be the next. Oh, that could be a great companion podcast. It's pretty the next good. One we can go through episode by episode. I mean, their epic saga <laughs> is it really, it really it's, is. It's oh man, that would be pretty <laughs> flipping sweet let's if i do say so myself <laughs> let's put it this way we'd have a lot of fodder 
just with the coded political messages, the uh, you know the production that would snafus. Be so awesome! The co- like an entire series uh, decoding the decoding the political messages embedded. Well, here let's here we got to talk about that offline. Let's not right. let's not ruin. Let's not. Yeah, let's not. You know. But that's another. I'm gonna I'm adding it to the whiteboard here. Yep, I'm marking it down. Marking it. All right. Okay. okay, all right, we're gonna play this. Let's do it. Play it up. Beep. Language problem here. A little prick stonewalling me. Walter! What, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Here you go, Larry. You see what happens? You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens? This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, Larry. This is what happens, Larry. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass? This is what happens. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens, Larry? Do you see what happens, Larry, when you fuck a stranger in the ass? What happens, Larry? This is what happens, Larry. What happens, Larry? You see what happens when you feed a stoner scrambled eggs? What? Is that one of the That's one of the things. Now I know that this line has been mangled for, right. for various purposes. Yes. And I always knew, you know, so when they play this on television, right? They don't want to cut this scene. Right. So they had to kind of redub it with some different words. And famously, instead of you see what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, it says you see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. (laughs) Right. Widely regarded as one of the most genius, like, replacement overdubs. Yeah. Of all time. Find a stranger in the Alps, even though it doesn't appear in the movie per se, is one of the great quotes of Lebowski's, I would say. I would say. If you Google find a stranger in the Alps, there's lots of stuff. There's apparently a band with that title. Like, what what compelled a person who who was, because you probably have to sit down and, you know, you mark up all the places where you're going to have to do a little overdubbing. What compelled a person to come up with find a stranger in the Alps? I don't know. It, it was kind of like, I think it was kind of like, well, there's nothing we can really change this to. And maybe it was almost kind of like a, you know, it sucks that we have to censor this. So let's just do the most ridiculous thing we can think of. Yeah. But, you know, and it is John Goodman. I don't know if he wondered if he improvised it because, well, here's the thing. So in preparation for this, I Googled. I, I tried to find a clip of the censored version. Indeed, I found one on YouTube, but you it did? actually goes beyond that. What do you mean? So he's like, you see what happens, Larry? See what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? You see what happens? And he's like kind of mumbling. Some of it's kind of unintelligible. And he's like, you see what happens when you feed a stoner scrambled eggs? Oh, stop. Yes. So and those those exist concurrently with each other, like within the same. There's not like different no, dubbed no. versions. No, it's not like one. He said no. It's just like yeah. It's just like he's going on a, a rant. Like feed a stoner scrambled eggs. 
Yeah, you see what happens when you feed a stoner scrambled eggs? I don't like that one nearly as much. It's just so bizarre. It actually kind of works in the, uh, if you're watching it, just along with the kind of preposterous, like just the bizarreness of the whole thing. What's like the bad lip syncing mm-hmm. stuff? Those are just ridiculous, but you're trying to find words that use the same phonemes, I guess. Phoneme, you know this phoneme? Phoneme. Yeah, it's like something to do with phonetics and sounds. Any of the perceptually distinct units of sound in a specified language that distinguish one word from another. Mm -hmm. So when you're animating, I had to animate a couple of things and make a little character's mouth. And you don't do like A-E-I-O-U and then all the consonants. Right. You do phonemes. So... P, B, D, and T in the English words, pad, pat, bad, and bat. So it doesn't matter if you're saying P, any of those. You use the same phoneme to start it off, whether it's pad, bad, bat. And then it's like you have another one for, you know, E, like your mouth is wide, but that works for like four different sounds or something. And then you just flip between them and it makes it look like you're talking. But different languages have different phonemes at the same time. Yes. That's how you end up with something like Melikalikimaka. Melikalikimaka. Although, aren't those all phonemes that we would use? Well, we would use, but they don't have as many phonemes, the right phonemes. It's not a one-to-one phoneme relationship. Right. Like, there's just certain sounds that we have that other languages, they just don't exist. You can't do it. That's right. That's right. Like, there's no way to end a word on an S. There's some word for that, like the something, something, I can't remember now, but yeah. Like, you know, for example, there's certain sounds that are just impossible in our language to end a word with, but I can't think of what they are right now. I think I can end a word on an S. For instance, the word S. Well, you can. Right. I'm saying in Hawaiian, you they, cannot. They can't end it's a word on an S. It's possible to end a word on an S. Like that concept does not exist. Is that true? In there. Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, it's similar in like Japanese is the same way too. Like they have these, um, like, ah, uh, man, whatever. Let's move on. Joss, a, there's a word. Joss Whedon is tearing his hair out right now. He's a linguist. He's a cunning linguist. So is Nick Offerman. Is he? You should watch the special. I can't wait. It's on my, on my list. It's in the queue, Brad. Well, here we, I, I, I got something. I got mm-hmm. something. So we finally see. A cl- sort of a close-up, maybe a medium shot of the outside of Larry Sellers' house. Mm-hmm. I guess Arthur Digby Sellers' house. Mm-hmm. And this is at, you know, 72... It's right at the beginning. Well, not right at the beginning, but it's it's almost right at the beginning of the minute. We'll call it... Yeah, right at 72. Right at the beginning. Walter comes out. Yep, it starts with him storming out. Storming out. We actually can't... S- see it in that shot so we have to wait until the dude comes out so if you'll notice when the dude comes out of the door at 7207 the lighting is different on the front of the house where the address is there's a little disc with two fake shutters on either side of it okay yeah facing the street it says mm-hmm. 1824 right when walter comes out of the house that is oh, in complete shadow 
it's so and on my screen it's so like the contrast is so low i didn't even notice there was anything in there till just now i had to really kind of focus in and squint to see that there's even something in that disc even when the dude comes out even when the dude comes out huh yeah wow. but i mean yeah in walter's part it's completely black but on my screen so it's curious well i can see it now it does say 1824 yeah it's curious why they would change the lighting for these two shots you you um, would think they would shoot them at the same time, you know? All yeah. right, we well, got... How is the light... I'm looking at this again. Well, look at the, the shadows. really that different? It's very oh, different. Yeah, there's a big shadow that comes down across that... Uh, across the whole front of the house there on the left screen left. Yeah. Huge shadow. And then the little fake shutters and the disc areas. It's almost like the light is parallel to that wall it's casting this really long shadow off these little shutters that don't stick out that far from the wall and then when the dude comes out the light is more like straight on to the house the shadow is much shorter and you can see into that disc and there's that shadow coming across the front of the house isn't there anymore but you would think like they had to reset the camera because they're farther back when the dude comes out well that shot of walter tracks him as he walks down toward the dude's car to put his like jacket and briefcase away and get That's up the true. crowbar. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's two different. It had a, it's a totally different camera setup. I wonder shots. I wonder if they shot Walter's scene continuously. Like maybe it just, it just kept going. They followed him all the way over to the street, but they decided not to keep it and instead cut back to the dude. Yeah. I mean, I think they definitely probably the whole shot, Definitely, probably. Definitely, probably. That's how I roll. (laughs) Nobody can get a good handle on it. Keep them guessing, Brad. uh, Walter walks out of the house. He goes down. He goes to the car. Let me check. No, it doesn't. Eh, It's hard to say. I mean, it definitely cuts. He doesn't get to the car. Yeah, it cuts. No, I don't. I think they're all different shots looking at it because the camera is like in completely different places and... Well, certainly they're different shots. It's a totally different setup. But I think you nailed it. It's because they probably had this idea like Walter was going to come out and they were just going to follow him all the way over to the dude's car. He would get out the tire iron or the crowbar or whatever and just start smashing in one continuous shot. But then they get into the editing room and it's like, you know what? We're going to have to break this shot up. Let's cut back to the dude. Yeah, but the lighting's a little different. No one will ever notice. And you don't. Well, I mean, they shot that shot of the dude. They plan to use it. So I was whether right. or not the lighting is different. I mean, you're going to notice it no matter how, however they cut it up. But the difference being when Walter comes out, they don't even let him get onto the street and they cut back to the dude right away. So the image of right. the door is fresher in your mind yeah, than it gotcha. would be if you let that whole tracking shot play out. Like right. you can get away with it more if you wait whatever 20 seconds and then go back but they cut to it within like five seconds so it's a little more jarring yeah not even five seconds like two right it's pretty quick pretty quick and when the dude comes out there's two more things i want to point out about this scene real quick when we so it's the dude's turn to come out when walter came out he slams the door open it kind of bangs against the uh, walks he hits it so hard and then it swings shut behind him and you can even hear it kind of crunchily like hit like bang closed even though it doesn't close all the way so there's that first of all 
I'm not sure why it doesn't close all the way, but it sounds as though it either hits something or closes. Then the dude comes out. He slams it even harder. The door goes flying so hard, it actually hits the floodlight on the side of the house, Mm -hmm. which briefly illuminates. Just for a second, boom. Like the door hits the light and it kind of comes on for a second and then goes back off. And the door does not swing back closed. They unscrewed those floodlights. They were like, hey, do you mind if we unscrew these? Because, you know, we're doing our own thing. They don't match color temperature wise or whatever. We don't like the way it looks. It's distracting. Just unscrew them. You don't need to take the bulbs out. We want the bulbs to be in there, but just unscrew them. So they were kind of lightly unscrewed. And then when the door hits them, it kind of like jiggles them back into place for a second. Yeah. Snaps on. That is a nice, that's a nice little find, a nice little detail. A nice little, but that's what they would do. You know, well, it's kind of casting a weird light on Mm -hmm. the door when the door, let's just unscrew it. I'm pretty sure that's what happened there. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar. And so this is 1824, theoretically 1824 Radford Avenue. I went all up and down Radford Avenue in North Hollywood. I could not find an 1824 anywhere. Yeah. Well, so I don't. That's one of the things they did on purpose, right? It's like using like a phone number that starts with five five five. Right. You don't, you don't actually want to give an actual person's address out. I'm assuming that's what they did. You don't want. Then you have people like us on the Lebowski tour, like pointing at their house. Even if it's not even like the house in the movie, right? They just like made up those numbers. Like there could be some kind of like clearance thing, right? Where like, you know, even in the script, it might just, you know, could say something like such and such, you know, it might say like 625 Radford, right? And then it gets like, you know, they have to like go through clearances or something and some lawyer or some like, you know, researcher is like, yeah, we can't do that. Because it's somebody's house. It's someone's house. Like, yeah, well, let's change it to this. Right. Yeah, if you go, like, even in Street View and Google Maps, some of the addresses are blurred out. But I think, you know how they paint the street address, like, on the curb sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. I think that Google Maps thought that was a license plate. Okay. Because they blur out license plates. So I've wondered about this. Yes. Blurring out license plates. Uh Uh-huh. You brought this up. Okay. I'm sorry. So I'm going to talk about this a little bit. Okay. So, you know, I, you know, sometimes I'll like take a picture Uh with my camera and I'm like, oh, I kind of like this picture. I'm going to post it online. Uh Uh-huh. And there's a license plate in it. Right. And I think, well... Is that, like, bad, right? Like, I'm putting this person's license plate out there. I mean... I've never let it stop me, but I feel like... They drive around in in the world with their license plate... Exactly. ...shining out to everybody all the time. It doesn't make any sense. Why is it a secret thing that you need to blur out same thing with google right it's not you're you're parading it around everywhere i mean granted with google one i could understand they have a bad rap with privacy and putting people's personal data out that they don't want to do it second i guess it does illuminate like if you can look up this person's license plate you can be like oh i knew they were in north hollywood at some point that's somehow a like viol you know maybe this person lives in montana 
right? It's like somehow a violation. Right. They were having an affair. They had a second family down there. Yeah. Something like that. Or whatever. And their spouse sees the, right. It's still same thing with like a lot of like, I don't know. I guess we talked about this before with like checks, but yeah, it's just bizarre. Well, what about checks? People get really touchy. Well, it's their, their information, man. People get really touchy in Florida. Floridians in particular get touchy? Well, that's where I've experienced it. Did you have an altercation? I'm going to say almost exclusively. Picture taking? In Florida. Because you were taking a picture of somebody? I, not of somebody. Zero people are in the shot. But I will take a picture of like just something outside. Like it might be like a, a goofy billboard or a funny like sign or whatever reason, like a, a thing in a strip mall catches my eye and I take a picture of it. Okay. And the people from inside that building, whether it's a store or an office complex, whatever it is, come storming out. What? Why are you taking a picture of this place, sir? What? What do you, well, well yes. It's happened to me multiple times in Florida. It's never happened to me anyplace else. Uh, are you shitting me? I'm not shitting you. Like, and it's an employee of that place. So it's either an employee of the place. In one case, it was like a security guard. Because it was like some type of office complex that I guess has like a little security guy up front. And he came out like, sir, may I ask you why you're taking a picture of this place? I'm just like, well, I just like the name of your complex. I no, you may not ask me. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, well, you can't, you know, you're not allowed to take pictures. Well, I was just, I was just like, I don't really understand. I, I, well, this guy I was kind of, cause this was the last time it happened. I think this <laughs> happened last year. And I even brought up the Florida thing. I was like, I don't understand. Like I go all over the country. I take pictures all over the place. No one ever cares unless I'm in Florida. Do you know why that is? <laughs> what, it was what just was, like, did he have a, this answer? is, you know, he, he made some comment like, as if like, this is like some kind of crime ridden cesspool where you have to be careful or something. <laughs> and it's not like other places. I forget his exact wording, but that was like what he was implying. I think. Were you in Temple Terrace? But I was, no, I was in, in this case, I was in Melbourne, Florida. Yeah. Wretched hive of scum and villainy. I certainly was nowhere. Yeah. It was very bizarre. Very bizarre. I'm just like, yeah, Floridians get touchy. That's weird, man. So you weren't in South Tampa. Mm-mm. No, where I was, was total like, you know, middle class you know, shopping centers. I mean, this was like an office complex. It was, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Florida's just weird, man. It is weird. I lived there. You know that. I lived there for yeah. three years. Lived just north of Tampa. In fact, that reminds me. I asked you to remind me. I just reminded myself since we're talking about Florida. Okay. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. You remember 54 hours. We started that uh, movie. I won't call it a competition challenge. Right. With a bunch of our friends, everybody had a team and we had 54 hours, Friday, 6 p.m. till Sunday at midnight to write, shoot, edit, blah, 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 post a movie. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I don't know if we mentioned it on the show before, but I always go back to like there was no YouTube to just upload right. a video at that time because this was, I think the first time we did it was late April of 2005. Like maybe YouTube was around sort of, sort of, kind of, maybe, yeah, but I don't not think it really. Was. I think YouTube launched shortly after. And even then it wasn't this, like, but, the, but then it wasn't like, cause YouTube wasn't like it was now. And it right. wasn't like something where we could 
post it and like embed it in the site easily. I don't know. I could right. be wrong, but the way, yeah, it just didn't quite work. Yeah. It wasn't like up and running at full speed right away, but e- mm-hmm. either way it didn't exist. I always remember that we were ahead of our time at least once. So, but anyway, the first time we did that, do you remember the movie I made? The first one, it was called low ambition. Okay. There's the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. It's uh, me with like a white sh- shirt, black jacket, and then a black jacket, white shirt. There's the epic sunglasses moment. I was going to say, there must have been a sunglasses moment in it. Yes, there was a sunglasses because moment. that first time we did it, we had like seven different movies submitted. Right. And every single one involved sunglasses somehow. There's sunglasses being like put on in an epic manner or sunglasses being ripped off. Like they were, were they all like sunglasses? They were featured. It was they were a, featured prominently in every movie. It was a strange, it was a very co- strange communal consciousness going on there. I'm not sure why. So when I shot that movie, I shot it with my brother-in-law, Troy, and we were down by the Sunshine Skyway. It goes, it's this, crazy looking bridge i'll post a if anybody has not seen this bridge have you ever seen that you've seen that bridge right um i don't i'm not familiar with it if i have seen it oh my goodness it is freaking it makes makes your your nuts wrench up a little bit when you drive over it the reason they had to make it so tall and crazy is like a barge or a cruise ship or something ran into the old one. I want to say in the okay. late seventies and like hit one of the pylons and the like 20 or 40 or 60 feet of the middle of the bridge fell out. And I think it was nighttime and cars were just driving up to the top of the bridge oh. and then c- driving over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Beep, I, yeah. And the one I've guy like <laughs> slammed on his brakes and I think the front tires were over the edge and he managed to get out. He was trying to flag people down and they were blowing by him and yeah. running off the bridge. One guy fucking survived the like hundred foot fall down and landed on the cruise ship and he survived that in his car. Like, Whew, holy shit, what's happening now? <laughs> Bam. Yeah. That's Pretty sure he survived. That's nightmare fuel. It's awful. It's I remember awful. this happened. There was like a. Just know that that can happen no matter where you are yeah. at any time. This happened somewhere in middle America. Yes. It was like Minnesota or something. And there was footage of it. Like yes. I remember it was one of these shows yes. like Dateline or something. And this was. Awful. I and. Our infrastructure is crumbling, Brad. Yeah, and they and they did a special on it and they were interviewing the different people that were there and they had like video footage of it. Because mm-hmm. I guess someone on the bottom, like at the bank of the river, and you could just see the thing, and you could just see one after another, just cars just careening off. Oh, it's so terrible. Because the way the bridge was curved, you know, you couldn't tell that it was about to just not be a bridge anymore. Right. There was nothing there. There's all these cars just careening off into nothingness at full speed, one after another. Oh, so awful. It was. And I think I, yeah, it's, it, it affected me deeply. It still I affects was, me. Yeah. I've seen that footage. It's terrible. And the Skyway is the same way because the angle of the bridge is so steep that if the top apex of it there is not there, you would never notice it before it was way too late. 
It's like the end of the Blues Brothers where they drive off the unfinished like highway overpass ramp. It's just not there. And then they're mm-hmm. falling for, you know, eight miles or whatever. Anyway, this bridge is crazy. But they left part of the old bridge there alongside it. Not the whole thing, but like a mile on one side, two miles on the other. And now it's this like crazy ass fishing pier that you can go on. You actually drive out on it. They kept it as a road. So you can drive down one side and just like stop your car. And you can literally fish right from your car right out into the bay, the mouth of the bay, which is pretty freaking awesome. So anyway, we shot the movie and the last scene took place on that little fishing pier next to the bridge. And we're playing the keyboard there and whatever, finish that up. And it's like, fucking A, we're here. It's time to go fishing. We brought our fishing poles and it was just the best sun shining. It's, you know, 85 degrees. Mm -hmm. It's May in Florida or late April in Florida. It's great fishing weather. I took my shirt off. I'm just fishing. We fished for like three hours and I just had my shirt off the whole time and I didn't put any sunscreen on. Oh, And I got home, it's like, ooh, maybe that was a mistake. I remember somebody drove by at one point, and they were like, put your shirt on. And I was like, I thought they were saying that because I was too fat. It's like, well, that was rude. I got home like, ooh, you know what? I think I might have got a little color back there, like on my shoulders and my back. My wife's like, ooh, yeah, that, yeah, you got some sun there. And the next day I woke up, it's like, ooh, yeah, that hurts a little bit. Oh, I got burned. I'm going to need some aloe. Then I had to edit the movie, you know, edited the movie, finished the movie, posted it, went to sleep, got to wake up, go to work next morning. But I wake up at like three o'clock in the morning in probably like the second most pain I've ever experienced in my life. Just like, like fire worms eating into my flesh. Like millions of fireworms. I've had that millions of fireworm sensation. Eating into my flesh. <laughs> and Leslie turned the light on and it was like, uh, it almost looked radioactive. It was glowing so bright red. And I was just howling in agony. And she got the bottle of like aloe, whatever, and would slather my back in it. And within like, four minutes it would just suck it all in (laughs) she'd have to put more on i had to call off of work because i couldn't leave the bed yeah i was so like just it laid me to waste it was awful the reason i bring it up is i asked you to remind me about the octogenarian with the liquid nitrogen blowtorch okay yes yes so after that experience, I was, I'd always been fairly freckleless, but then my entire back was just this patchwork of giant freckles. It's like, that's not good. It was like immediate, like within three days, boom, my entire back covered in freckles. So just generally, you don't want weird marks on your skin to appear because of sun. Right. It's just generally not good. Yeah. So that was almost 10 years ago. So finally I had a a couple more showing up here and there. And Leslie's like, you got to go to the dermatologist, get those things checked out. Fine. Hate going to the doctor. I've been to the doctor like once in the last 30 years. I hate it. But I went because it's like, fine, you're right. And I go there 
And then the doctor, this old guy, he's got to be pushing 80, his hands shaking. He's got to put on these like goggles with magnifying things to look at my skin. I love the guy. He's great. He's got this bearded, uh, like 70 year old lady assistant, scratchy old bearded lady. It's pretty great. I mean, he's been doing it so long. He must know what he's doing, right? So, you know, he gets out his magnifying goggles and is like looking at my stuff. Oh, yeah, some dermal fibrosis, some keratosis. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll just freeze them off. We'll just freeze them off. I'm like, okay, that doesn't sound too bad. And he just is like, yeah, we'll just take care of that now. He reaches over and grabs this blowtorch. Mm-hmm. It looks like a blowtorch. It's black. Yeah. It's got the steel nozzle about the diameter of a pencil. And there's fucking liquid nitrogen in it. And he starts just like... On all these spots on my back. And like all over the place. And I'm looking at it. It's like, that is liquid nitrogen. Like right. jetting well, directly onto my skin. It doesn't hurt too much right now, but it, that's going to be bad, isn't it? Yeah, well, they, he did that without any, like, uh, anesthetic or anything? No, he just grabbed it and started going to it town. It hurt? It didn't really hurt. I mean, eventually on the back, because I had a couple in other places, but didn't hurt. When he got to the back, there were so many that it was almost like he had, like, insecticide in one of those pump things right. that you would spray in the yards. He was just like back and forth over your whole back, back. and forth over my whole back. Just just like, it off. like with a garden hose. That started to hurt eventually. But then he had another one, a smaller one, and the diameter of the like point of the torch was like a needle and it came out in like this this like spaghetti strand thin stream like just this tiny and he'd use that for like okay i had one in my belly button so he shot a needle sized like a hair sized stream of liquid nitrogen into my belly button (sighs) then they turned into like grape sized blisters and now i'm covered in blisters on 40 percent of my body that's insane and then they broke open and i stick to the sheets when i wake up in the morning and it doesn't feel Uh, good (laughs) i mean i've had stuff frozen off with those little blow torches too but i had no idea they did such a thing they've always have uh known to me like they'll put a little shot of something at the same spot like okay we're gonna take this thing off you but then they like do a little needle like at the dentist like i don't know what's in it if it's novocaine or something different but it's the same kind of thing like let me let me inject this and you feel kind of the prick of the needle and that hurts and then you just don't feel anything. And then you can watch them like freezing your body apart and you don't feel anything like he, like they've actually done things where they've like frozen shit and then taken a little thing that looks like a melon scooper. Oh, and then scooped it out. But it has a little like jagged edge on it. So it's like this serrated kind of imagine a combination between a melon (laughs) scooper and a steak knife. Yeah. And they just scoop it out. Then we got rid of that. (laughs) <laughs> just scoops right out so like one of those grapefruit spoons yeah no that's exactly what it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah he didn't do any of that he just grabbed it it's like yeah hey, i know how to take care of this and he's coming in towards my belly button his hand shaking i'm like oh geez here it comes it's all no <laughs> oh, okay you're mostly getting it <laughs> oh boy 
So that was my experience, and it went back to Florida. But yeah, wear sunscreen, I guess. Yeah, and shirts or, or, a, sh- or a shirt. Start there. Step zero: wear a shirt. Yeah, yeah. I'm so paranoid of getting sunburned because it's happened so many times. That yes. Like, when I go to the beach, I barely like. I'm almost sun phobic. Like I'm either in the shadow or I'm wearing a shirt. Oh, I I'm with you now. If I'm not wearing a shirt, it's like all right. Oh, it's been like two minutes. I'm done. I'm done back under the thing. Get out. Shirt. Like that's it. Yeah. Yep. Even no, though I I'm might with have you. like sunscreen all over my body, it's I'm no, never mind. I'm too freaked out right now. Yep. I am I with put you. Put a shirt back on. I am with you, man. Because I don't need. I, I look like John Merrick right now. I've it's embarrassing. Had... My daughter can't look at me. Yeah. You've had what John Merrick likes symptoms. Well, no, I was just gonna say I've had those fireworms eating your flesh sensation, oh. and that's so bad. It's so, so bad. bad. Like I'm just now. It's like post traumatic stress. Like I'm just afraid of the sun at this point, which I guess is good. Yes, should be afraid of the sun. It'll kill you. It keeps you alive, and it will kill you. Yep, it's a very, very uh, it's a fickle mistress. balance. <laughs> Uh, life and death when it comes to the sun a tender balance between life I'm writing it down between life and death well that could be said of of anything really mm-hmm. look at Donnie True. D- didn't see that coming True. Well, I'm in th- but I'm thinking of it like on a planetary scale oh you know what yeah. I mean like, like we have this little tiny pocket that's minuscule, impossible to even comprehend how tiny it is, like on the surface of this planet, between where there's like atmosphere and not, and where it's the right temperature. It's distressing. That's all it is. Look this at little, it or think it's about like it. A, a, it's wispy. A, a, uh, yeah, it's like, um, yeah, like spray a little, uh, like one of those like, uh, like nose spray type things. Spray that out into the air and watch the little things and watch it like, you know, you see the little mist and you see it dissolve. That little mist is like all we have in the universe. (laughs) It's not even that. We just have like one of those little particles of mist. That's it. That's it. That's all we got. It's like the thickness of, like if you imagine the outside of your house, there's the earth. And then you take a paint roller with some paint on it and you roll it across the surface of the house. There's our atmosphere. Don't yep. fuck it up. Yeah. Mm. I don't know why we're talking start about pumping, that. Yeah. A lot of uh, chemicals out into that thing. Right. Let's get this. There's sh- always more to go around. Annoying atmosphere out of here. We'll find some more somewhere else. We'll frack for it. Yeah. So, some down there somewhere. Let's keep looking. I mean. Oh, did we get political again? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. But it's also kind of the plot of the movie Interstellar, so. Oh, my daughter saw it last night. Finally, she liked it, but it was a little long for her. She's 12. So, oh, interstellar. Still thinking about it, Brad. Still thinking about it. And you know what? Screw these people who are like, okay, it's just a visual spectacle. Blah, blah. Fuck you. You go make a movie then, you know, you go make an awesome movie. What you're complaining. You're complaining about a awesome piece of cinema because that's what that is it's a piece of cinema and there is r- cinema is kind of rare it is so rare 
Like so rare. I guess Nolan works in this space where he can work on. I mean, really, to make a movie now, it has to be a blockbuster. A blockbuster, or you know, a ten thousand dollar indie that no one will ever watch. Yes, that's it. Like the whole middle. The middle class is shrinking, Brad. The, the, yeah, the middle space is gone, right? It's just gone. But, but I guess Nolan, you know, Nolan has figured out this way to work, and he's lucky in that way, you know, work in this kind of blockbuster space, yet also try to work on cinema at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the physician, physician, physicist is one of the producers or executive producers. Like right on the, I was outside the movie theater last night. I'm looking at the movie poster for it, and there he is, Kip, mm-hmm. Kip Thorne or whatever his name is, yep. right there. That's pretty cool. And you're complaining about it. Screw you, man. I don't complain about people who put a lot of hard work into something. Like even Sweet Life on deck. There are people working their asses off on that show. Yeah, without a doubt. It's a lot of work. And I'm going to complain about it? No, I'm done with that. I won't be that person anymore. I can not like things but I won't like complain. Okay. It's not for me. Antichrist. Not for me. They put a lot of work into it. Joss Whedon stuff. Not for me. They put a hell of a lot of work into it. (sighs) So this, uh, this fella here, Brad. Yes. Walter comes out and starts smashing this car to pieces. Larry Sellers. Oops. It's not Larry Sellers Corvette. It's his neighbor. I was always confused about the geography of this scene. For some reason, I thought that they refer to him, I don't know, somewhere I saw him referred to as the Screaming Mexican. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, I suppose. I guess. I always thought he was, like, charging out of his house from across the street, which would have been across the street from his vet. That always rubbed me kind of the wrong way, because I'm like, well, you wouldn't park your vet across the street from your house. Well, no, you would. Only if there were no other spaces. Doesn't seem like this is that. This is a residential street. Like, people are picky. If you're coming from that area, right, you're not going to park your street the wrong way on the other side. No, you would turn around. You'd pull into your driveway, which he has. Theoretically, most of these houses do, but you would turn around and then pull it back so you could park in front of your house. I wouldn't do that. Like crossing the street isn't a big deal. I would park it. What I wouldn't do is what apparently is here, which is park it in front of someone else's house. I I guess what I'm saying is it's much more reasonable to think he parked it directly across the street from his house than parked it like one house down. See, I disagree. I disagree. I think it's it's more. A more of a parking faux pas to park across the street, even though it's in front of your house, because then you're still in front of somebody else's house and on the wrong side of the street from your own house, mm-hmm. rather than just be one house down, but at least on the same side. Yeah. Because you, you know how that gets, like when I lived in Belfont, sometimes the spaces would be all taken up. And I'd have to go a couple houses down. But I would always park on the same side of the street as my house. I'd never park over on the other side. It just, you didn't do it. Yeah, that's not how. Well. Because this is, it's not, it's not Manhattan. It's not Brooklyn. 
This is right. like a residential well, neighborhood it could be in North as simple Hollywood. As you know, let's say there was just a couple cars parked. So right. he pulls up after a day of work and just parks right behind, you know, as close as you get to his house, just right behind. Exactly. Maybe like three other cars. And then now they those left. Those people are gone. Absolutely. He's not going to come out and be like, oh, let me pull my car up. No, absolutely. I agree with you. I agree. And this is what I came to realize. It's that he is the next door neighbor. Yes. He's not the across the street neighbor. No, he's not. I had always been confused by that. I, I thought he was the across the street neighbor. And you I'm think like that because they show the across the street house light turn on. Yeah. And just because the dude parks over on the other side of the street and there's this one side of the street, other side of the street. I thought that was the thing they were playing off of there. Right. But it's not. He's on the same side of the street as Larry Sellers house. He's their next door neighbor. Yes. Well, that's it, where he runs from. Right. I but never it, really entertained the fact that he was from across the street, but. I, that's you know, just what I thought. Frickin da. Yeah, Lottie frickin' da. Lay me. Well, no, I just, I Lay didn't, me. I, yeah, you, I didn't realize, didn't realize what was going on here. It was one of those confusing things. Yep. It's like the thing in Die Hard with Takagi Akagi. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Well, you didn't obsessively watch Die Hard as a child? I've never seen the movie Die Hard. <laughs> I realize... <laughs> that you may stop speaking now due to that revelation. There's a lot. It's what's in the movies of like these classic films that I've never seen. It's just in that category. Is there a reason? No, there's no reason. I just never happened to see it. You never happened to see it, but yeah, that's you make time to see it. Maybe. I mean, well, when that movie came out, when would that movie come out? 1988. Was, like, nine? No, nine. No, I was 13. You were 12 or 13. Yes. Really? 1988. Yeah, I just never, I don't know. I just never saw it. I mean, we didn't have HBO at that time. I just never really saw it. You know, and I think at the time, I kind of lumped it in with like a Steven Seagal movie or something. Oh, my goodness. In my brain, maybe. Or it was maybe a combination of the fact like there was no science fiction element. So I was like, why would I watch this? Like I didn't really like 80s um, action movies. I, li- I loved 80s action movies if there was a sci-fi element. So give me Predator, Terminator. Mm-hmm. Love them. Mm-hmm. But like a, you know, everything else. Enemy but- Mine. Enemy mine, yeah. But, but you know, give me, it's like, what was it? Like, Under Siege. I'm just like, yeah, that doesn't interest me. Robocop, yes. Total Recall, yes. Right. But see, Die Hard. Die Hard, it was just like, well, I mean, it might be good. It never seemed like a thing. And I realized then, probably as years went on, it became this iconic thing. It redefined. Like, Maybe I should watch that. But the I genre, Brad. It redefined the action movie yeah. genre. No, I understand. And now I should definitely go back and watch it. I mean, you know, as a 13-year-old, I wasn't, like, into, like, oh, this is a very, like, uh, this movie is very significant to the art and business of Hollywood. I should, I should, I should go watch it. I wasn't like that either. I just, I mean, I would watch the stupid Steven Seagal movies. I would watch the non-sci-fi element Schwarzenegger movies. I wasn't too into Chuck Norris or anything, but I, I would watch them. 
after I would finish watching it, I'd realize, yeah, that sucked. That was stupid. So I probably lumped it in with those movies initially also. But once I watched it, I was like, no, that movie is awesome. I probably couldn't articulate why I thought it was so awesome, but I knew that it was different. Right. And it is. It's just. Well, I mean, I mean, now I can definitely say, right. Like, uh. Yeah. Well, you can't definitely say because you haven't seen it. Well, I can say it because I can see its impact on the culture okay. and its lasting impact. So I can I can respect that and understand that. It's a Christmas movie. Now it's the season to watch it. Why don't you make it a point to watch that? I, I'd like to do that. Put it on your list. It will not have the same impact, but at least maybe you can appreciate it. I think I probably love it. And at least you'll join the national conversation. You are a part of society, aren't you, Brad? I will try to make it a point to watch it, especially now that it is that holiday season. One of the best Christmas movies of all time. The reason I brought it up, though, was that there's this weird thing. I don't want to give too much away, but this happens in the first part of the movie. There... Anyway, there's a guy, he's the president of a company, he's Japanese, his name is Takagi, right? Mm -hmm. T-A-K-A-G-I. And then he's got a safe, and there's a point in the movie where the password to the safe becomes important. And we realize that the password to the safe is Akagi. A-K-A-G-I. Okay. Takagi. Akagi. That Mm -hmm. always like broke my little 12 year old mind. I could not for the life of me fathom. I thought, did they make a mistake? Even though the password, you see it like written out on a computer screen. Akagi. Like, wait, don't they mean Takagi? Wouldn't it be the man's last name? But no, it's Akagi. I would pause it. It's this maybe was the beginning of my movie sleuthing career, but it right. just drove me crazy. Well, is it possible the guy's name is actually Akagi and you did, it just misheard throughout the entire movie? I it, presumed all of these things. I presumed, I, I mean, I looked at the credits. Nope, it says Takagi, and I would play it over and over. He's saying Takagi in the credits, Takagi. Didn't have the internet, really, to go to. So finally today I looked it up, Brad, to put this fucking thing to rest that's been driving me crazy for 26 years yeah the man's name is takagi and the password is akagi so for some reason and this is maybe more political coding but there's two references to pearl harbor so the company is a japanese company the president ceo is a japanese man whose name is takagi and one line of his dialogue is um, John McClane, that's Bruce Willis, questions whether the Japanese celebrate Christmas. Why are you having a Christmas party? Do you celebrate Christmas? And Takagi replies, we're flexible. Pearl Harbor didn't work out, so we got you with tape decks. Ha ha ha. Big joke. Right. And then the second reference is the code for the vault, Akagi, meaning Red Castle in English, is the name of one of the Japanese aircraft carriers which carried out the strike on Pearl Harbor. Hmm. So there you go. It was on purpose, and I guess it was just an unfortunate coincidence that those two words were so similar. 
It's almost like you should have changed the guy's name to not be right. so similar. Right. Or use a different uh, password. Yeah, different Pearl Harbor referencing password. Anything. But one letter different. It's just drove me crazy. So I finally was able to put that to bed. Makes me feel good. But I, I thought that might have some relevance for you, but since you haven't seen it, I guess... Well, now no. I will know to not have my brain be broken by that. Yeah, don't, don't dwell on it. The dude occupies the same frame space as Larry Sellers when he comes bursting out of the door. So he, actually, you can see Larry Sellers in the window in the house. When the dude mm-hmm. comes out, he kind of walks straight towards us in the center of the frame. And for a good part of it, he, he actually blocks Larry Sellers. And I can't, I'm trying to figure out if that's on purpose. And the, the only thing I could come up with is that, like, they're both bearing witness to the, the oncoming Walter storm right. that is about to happen. It's like they're the audience. Yeah, and, and any shot you show, it's from both their points of view. Like We're the shots right. from the yard looking down. So it's not like you have to show two different or like... Good one. I mean, granted, the movie is almost always in the dude's point of view anyway. Yeah, but they have that close-up of Larry, so you wouldn't want it to get confusing. Right. Like, who's yeah. looking? That's a great point. I love that. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Very good. Very good. Walter puts his jacket in the trunk after he kicks it open because the dude's car's been so fucked up, I guess, you kick it and it just yep. opens, kind of crunches open, throws his briefcase and jacket in there, grabs the crowbar, and then when he closes it, it's an audio note now, it yeah. closes too cleanly. It's a very nice sound. Mm. Okay. It's just so, it sounds so, it's almost like they had their trunk closing sound effect and they put it in there but it would have been more like rattly and jangly don't you think yeah no i hear you especially when it uh it's very tidy especially when it's what well just when you had the crunchy sound when it opened right right so wanted to match yeah yeah and when while we're on audio notes, Walter starts beating the shit out of this new vet, which I did look up 1990. Well, actually, Leslie looked up 1991 Corvettes, and that is a 1991 Corvette, or okay, at least cl- know. or at least close enough that you wouldn't be able to tell. Mm-hmm. So when Walter s- starts smashing this thing, and you're hearing hearing the glass shatter everywhere and like cascade onto the ground. If you just listen to it, it sounds like window panes, like shards of glass. It's very tinkly. Which is very satisfying to hear. But this is safety glass, and it wouldn't sound like that. It would sound more like like sand or marbles. Because it's designed to break apart in small little pieces without jagged edges. You've seen like an accident on the side of the road. It's just like... It doesn't, right. there's not big shards. It's not all tinkly like that. Right. It, it right. would sound like small marbles or something. But that wouldn't sound good. That would just sound weird. Where's all this sand coming from that they're pouring onto the road? 
It's just sometimes you have to use like, you know, like the Hitchcock thing. Use the cantaloupe. Like right. Yes. Driving a knife into a cantaloupe instead of into a human body because that wouldn't be practical. And it doesn't sound right. And it doesn't sound right. Driving a knife into a human body doesn't sound enough like driving a knife into a human body. It's not dramatic enough. Right. You got to have all the squishiness and the little pieces, like little things breaking. Maybe a part of the rind breaks a little bit. I just made a sound effect. Just pointing it out. I don't think you make lots of sound effects. Like you re, you know, refoley an entire move, movie with just your own mouth sound effects. <laughs> I'm on it. Let's make it a really long one. I'll do Interstellar. There you go. I get to revoice Tars and Case. Excellent. I love it. <laughs> refoley an entire movie. With mouth sounds. Good. All right, I'm just lightning round. I'm going to fire through the last of the little bits I have here. Um, The dude's second. So he comes out and he says, what are you doing, Walter? And then his second time he says it, he says, what are you doing? Like there's almost, yeah, almost like there's periods between each word. I just thought that was great. It's like he's enunciating. What are you doing? I don't know that I've ever really taken note of that. It's it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. And then as Walter starts smashing the car to pieces, Mm -hmm. the dude goes, oh, great. (laughs) Yeah. Which I never noticed either. And in the background, you can see Donnie like lurch, like jump in the car. And he has Mm -hmm. moved up to the front seat now. Which will come into play when uh, the screaming Mexican comes over and starts smashing the dude's car because he's able to then, you know, get out of the car from the front seat. Right. Which I guess helps because there's a light so we can see him. I think he moved up to the front so the more light was coming in through the windshield. Mm hmm. Because if he was in the back, he just would have been all shadowed. Right. And he's there reading a paper as Walter starts to smash the car. That's why he moved up to the front. He needed the light he to read the, the paper. There you go. We're just yeah. knocking him down, Brad. Yeah, and the and the reaction shot, you know, after uh, <laughs> hunching he the shoulders, smashing, and he's like looking out, and his mouth is kind of always kind of like, what? What? Like, there's nothing being said, but it, with his eyes and his lips, it's kind of just like you know, he's conveying this kind of like what? 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 Like, like it's kind of like dangerous. It's dangerous. Like, it's a little uncomfortable. Do I need to flee or like what? Yeah, it was just I was like, combined with the bafflement of like what? What is going on? <laughs> this is what you get, Donnie, for hanging out with these people. I know. Why are you here? I guess he wanted to see Marty's performance, and then he's along for the ride afterwards. Yep. There's nice foley when the dude well, comes out. He wants to go to the In and Out Burger too. Well, definitely. That's a nice bonus. Just going to make a quick stop, smash some guy's vet, and uh, get a burger. But when the dude comes smashing out of this door, there's nice foley work. He comes down the concrete steps. I think there's three or four of them. So those are very, like, clean and a little raspy. Click, click, click as he comes down. Then he steps into the yard. 
nice foley work here because it's that you can tell it's that crunchy California grass. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what kind of grass it is, but it requires constant watering. Florida's got the same kind of yeah, grass. Florida has that weird grass, weird crunchy grass. When I would go to that kind of place when I was younger, I thought it was very magical because the grass was so different. And there would be little lizards scurrying around. Yes. And I just thought it was magical. <coughs> Excuse me. Speaking of which, the last time I went to Florida, I rented a car. Guess what kind of car I rented? A Challenger. I did. Yes. I did. We actually discussed this on last oh, did we? episode. Damn it. I'm so enamored with it. <laughs> But yeah, I felt like a badass man. I felt but like yeah, a badass. You didn't have the pickup you wanted, though. No, but it it was muscly. It was muscly. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna put it down to revisit next week too. I'm typing it All in. All right. So you can go three weeks in a row talking about the challenger. Revisit like that. challenger. Well, there's a little bit to like. I don't know the interior. I haven't gotten to. I guess there's more to unpack. Yeah, a little bit. Not a lot. A little bit. Okay. Um, the Screaming Mexican, though. Another note about this guy. His name is Luis Kalina. I think it's his okay. name. That's the actor's name? That's the actor's name. Luis Kalina. This is the only film. Nope, that's not true. He was in Pasha Nada in 2002 as Anthony. Don't know that one. But he was a visual effects editor on the Hudsucker Proxy. Mm. So I guess he was just around during post-production and the Coens just kind of liked him. So in 1994 or maybe 93, when they were editing it, he was kind of around and they wrote him into the film. So they were writing this film as early as 1993. So they actually wrote him in. They wrote they him wrote in. They this. They're like, this will be Luis. We'll That's it. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. Yep. Way to go, Luis. Um, it's got written into history. Written into history. And the last, it's a character note. Walter, again, with his up and down emotions, is like blood vessel burstingly angry, smashing this car. And then Luis Kalina comes out. Hey, that's my car. And like grabs the crowbar just before he can hit it again. And he immediately goes, oh, hey, man. Hey man, yeah. like I'll saw. Hey man, and like that's the end of the minute. Bam. Yeah, and he immediately. Hey like, man. Yeah. Like man. becomes passive and puts his hands up. Oh, yeah. no harm intended, man. <laughs> Almost like a pacifist. So we talked about his wild mood swings before. Here's another example of it. You can turn on a dime. <laughs> kind of like the Challenger. Ooh turn on a poop deck next time on gutter balls i accept your apology <laughs> <laughs>